Welcome to Life and Godliness. I am your host, Joanna Simpson, otherwise known as Josim. So many of us are struggling, stuck, lost, wounded, and hopeless when Jesus came so we could be free and live an abundant life. He wants us to enjoy him and enjoy life. But how can we truly do this if we are bogged down by life's problems? Well, Life and Godliness with Josim hopes to help persons enjoy life with Christ by sharing Christ-inspired solutions to everyday problems and digging up deep-rooted mindsets that skew our perception of the Father. To quote a popular artist, life is hard, but God is good, and he's patient in our journeys. So join us as we talk about life and godliness. Welcome to this episode of Life and Godliness with Joe. Today we'll be hearing from Mrs. Grace Davis. Grace Davis is a career and life coach, woman of God, wife and mother of two. She loves adventure and nature and she's passionate about people and she loves seeing them operate in their calling. Welcome Grace. Yes, thank you Joanna. (laughs) It's so good to have you on my show. Nice. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about identity, how we see ourselves. Um, you know, so much of the challenges that we have in life is because we don't actually see ourselves the way God sees us. True, true. And even though the Bible talks about it a lot, it, it's like it doesn't penetrate our heart. And one of the things I'm coming to recognize is that some of the part of the reason for that is because we have um we have internalized so many lies of the enemy that it, it's almost as though we have to peel some of those away in order to see the gem and the treasure that God sees within us. Okay. And so as we, you know, go forward in this show, you know, I really want for persons to really, you know, reflect on themselves with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can bring them into a freedom of identity and understanding who they are. But before we go into that i want to hear a little bit about you and how you came into a relationship with christ Mm, how i came into a relationship with christ interesting interesting so i would say that there have been um a lot of help i got a lot of help along the way Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think the biggest part was when i had a major car accident Mm. on hope road and um, it was my birthday. I was about 20, 21 at the time. And um, driving, my, well, my husband, was my husband then, yeah. my mm-hmm. boyfriend, we were driving down Hope Road and we had the car flipped, turned over, we wow. hit down a bus stop, we hit down a light post, the car. Everything was black. And, um, you know, somebody came up to the car and said, you know, if we were still alive, and um you know said yes and uh, when the person pulled me out of the car they said hi grace now this is 2 a.m in the morning by the way. <laughs> and so i wasn't sure if i was alive yeah. you know where where i was i really truly wasn't sure if i was alive but anyhow it was actually a, a friend from university and he was actually driving behind me wow. and he actually was um moved over to medicine so the person wow. calling me Grace was actually a doctor. So he took me to the hospital and I had sti- I had cut a, a cut on my chin. My husband had a cut on his chin. And, um, you know, so we got through quickly, thank the Lord. But the following day, 
um, one of my co-workers called me and said, Grace, I have a gift for you. And I know you can't come out now, but I'm going to bring it to you. So he actually brought me a Bible. <gasps> and he said, Grace, you know, you could have died. And I said, that's true. And I said, to tell you the truth, I really wasn't sure if I was in heaven or hell. I mean, it, it was the first time that I had actually given it deep thought. Mm. Um, but you know, he gave me the Bible. I kept the Bible and nothing happened at that point. And it wasn't until maybe, um, maybe 10 years later in a job that required me to merge departments and um, also it would require me making rules redundant. So I'm in a very fiery organization mm. with a very heavy union, um, what do you call it, foundation, heavily mm -hmm. based in terms of union delegates and so on. And here I'm fresh, I'm coming in, I'm cleaning up, chop, 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 chop. And uh, through this process, three persons have died. One co-worker tried to, she got very sick. She sent a message that she needed to see me. Mm. I never got to see her. She died. And um, another friend from high school died. So mm. this was within a month. But my neighbor, she was dying. I got to read a book. Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren mm. and she told me to buy the book and I read it to her and somehow in reading that book I knew I needed to give my life to the Lord mm. so I read the book at her funeral and a portion of it and also at the funeral for my co-worker that died mm -hmm. they asked who are the women who are going to take over to help other women on this journey and i said yes i'm gonna be one of them mm. so the following day i went to church mm. and i gave my life to the lord wow so that is how my journey how that happened so by this time i'm married i have two kids and I made up my mind that I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to help other women on this journey. Mm -hmm. um, but through that process of giving my life to the Lord, that particular job of cleaning up the, the organization was very hard. Mm -hmm. And um, the death threats came. Mm -hmm. And so along with the death of friends, co-workers, and the threat of my life, I knew that um, there must be more. Mm. And so that job, that environment, that fire environment, was where I knew I needed the Lord. Mm. So that's my little story. Mm. I came to know the Lord. Little story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean it's always a blessing to hear testimonies and how God, you know, kind of is there. Yeah. So he was there from the time of the accident, consistently yeah. there. Um, and then he showed up at different times yeah. and different times of need. So thank you so much for sharing. So you're a coach. 
Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? How did you get here? All right. So that journey started 18 years ago, working in information technology. <laughs> okay. With a math degree. Mm-hmm. And um, it required me, as an information technology administrator, it required me to go, you know, a lot of times to each department, sitting with staff, helping them through issues with their computer and so on. And then one day the train and development manager said to me, you know, you're counseling the persons when you're fixing the, um, the computers. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> she said, yes, you are. You're just so unconscious of it. Mm. So wouldn't you, um, would you be interested in joining a program that we're having at the office? We're actually going to be certifying some persons to be life coaches. And it's actually the human resources department. And what we somehow figure that you're in the wrong department. I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but sure, I'll come and I'll, I'll join the program. And she said, well, this program is going to be eight months because it's really about being committed to a lifestyle of helping persons. So it's not just a class you're going to sit in for five days and ban your a life coach. Life coach. Mm-hmm. It's going to be looking at your life. It's going to be about looking at the areas you need to work on and just making a commitment to show up on time for these classes and the trainers and so on. I said, all right, no problem. So here I am with these managers, because I'm an administrator, I'm not a manager. And, um, you know, it was just a whole program on looking at yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a tough program because you said, before you're even gonna help persons, you're gonna have to look at your life. Mm-hmm. And you have to peel that onion. Mm. And, um, and so I went through the program, just, you know, yes, I'm staff, I'm going through the program. It was a very good program. And uh, it started out with about 40 persons and only 15 were, were able to complete the program mm-hmm. because the commitment to show up alone, just to show up was hard for a lot of persons because they were overcommitted. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just determined to uh, complete the program. I learned so much at the end of the program. One of the things that even came up to the program is that I was afraid to start a family. And you know, I know we'll get into that later as we talk about the insecurities. But through that program, I was pregnant at the end of the program. That's why I can't remember the date because my daughter is 18 this year. Okay. Um, and so through that program, it brought up a number of things, and a li- little by little, I started to work on them, including my my spiritual life and where it was Mm because it was actually at the bottom of the list and so I knew that it was something I needed to work on I just didn't know but the Lord showed up Mm -hmm. he showed up very quickly um, after that on on that journey so that's how I became a life coach and uh, even leaving that organization and going to the ferry organization I was again still not in anything in training or developing persons, I was in processes, business processes. They called me again. Grace, we're having this training for our HR managers and we think you need to join the program. And in my mind, I'm like, did somebody find the previous <laughs> company call them? Mm-hmm. And I said, what's this program? They said, oh, we're training persons to be life coaches. I'm like, I was so confused. And I said, sure, I will join the program. So here again, I was trained again. To, to do another program. I didn't ask, I didn't, there was nothing that I said I was interested in doing this program, but it found me. 
Mm. And so that's how I started. That's how I started the journey. And um, because they said, Grace, we'll find that you will step into departments that you know nothing about and you'll help us to clean it up. And so we figure you're just unconscious of this part of you that will realize you enjoy it. And in, part, in, in terms of even figuring out which department person should go. And as we're helping you to figure out where you're going, you will help us oh, to do mm-hmm. the same. So that's how, that's how it evolved. God is amazing. Yeah. God is amazing. So. He has such a hand on us. Um, you know, like carefully directing and orchestrating our lives unbeknown right. to us. Unbeknown to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's how it started. I did a course by myself though about four years ago. Mm-hmm. I went and did another program there. I paid for it and I did it on on my own. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just to refresh myself and keep me up to date because, you know, 17 years ago things would have changed. And so, and I wanted a, a spiritual foundation Um program okay so you spoke a little bit about family and insecurity can you tell me a little bit about your journey of overcoming insecurity okay all right so i i so i take insecurity from um the perspective of of family and then from work Mm -hmm. because it's two parts for me so i mentioned that when i was doing a life coaching program 17 years ago, mm-hmm. we were to look at different aspects of our lives. And one of my, and I'm going to say secrets, was that I couldn't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, everybody around me, they were having babies and everybody smiling, and everybody happy. But I mean, I, I didn't do, I didn't want to figure out why I couldn't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And in doing this particular program, we were to face ourselves to say the things that, um, some work we needed to do mm-hmm. to know what it was and to come face to face with it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what I had written on is that I needed to figure out, do all the tests, do everything to know exactly what it was. And so my commitment in the program was that I was going to do all the tests. And um, part of that was just learning to commit to something. Mm-hmm. So there are others in the group who were just always late and so on and so they didn't figure out why they were always late. So my thing was starting a family and figuring out what the problem was. So I had done all the tests and so on. And when I had gotten back the results, you know, I was so devastated because based on what the doctors had the doctor had shared with me, it was like it's like a five percent chance mm. that I would actually have mm-hmm. a family. But one of the things about being in that coaching program is that they said, Okay Grace, if you what if you are in that five percent and not the ninety five? You know, so why are you thinking negative as opposed to that possibly you are in that five percent mm-hmm. and where is that thought process coming from mm-hmm. like i never thought about it that way mm-hmm. and so it 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 took me back to even my childhood where i've just always felt that i was a failure mm-hmm. you know um the voice in my head was my dad's voice you know that you're not good enough and you're never gonna get anything and so I think in my mind is that, okay, here's one more thing mm. that I am not going to um, to get, you know. My mm-hmm. sister was pregnant at the time. I'm a, I have two sisters, so one sister was pregnant when I was trying to figure out why I, preg- why I couldn't get pregnant. And my other sister had two kids already. And I'm the last of three. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the seventh grade think of you being a five percent and find out what it is required for you to be in that five percent mm -hmm. continue the step you've gotten the results now take the next step and uh, i took the next step figure out what it was he gave me one two three four five six seven nine ten grades you need to do these ten steps and you're gonna come back to me next month and when i came back next month i was <laughs> <laughs> oh wow so, so yes all right so i'm pregnant you know everybody's happy and the coaching group is all excited and I can't um imagine you know um within about three months i went to the country and uh, went out the night and so on and then i said to my husband i don't feel okay he said what i what i, I said something not right i feel something not right mm. with the baby and when we got back to the hotel everything wasn't okay called the doctor he said well guess what i'm grace it's one of two things i said oh gosh mm. here we go again it's either that you're still pregnant or you're not pregnant i said oh jesus he said well okay i'm going to have to learn to think that i'm in that category of pregnant so i'm in montego bay right and this is Saturday night. So he said, well, we're not going to know until Monday morning. Mm -hmm. So you still have to wait another 48 hours. So here I'm 48 hours. I have to stay on my back. I have to stay flat on my back. I am, um, based on what I had seen, I'm like, okay, all right, definitely not pregnant. So came up the night, stayed flat on the back of the car my husband drove to kingston and by the time we got to the doctor monday morning and he put the they have a little it's almost like yeah. a stethoscope yeah mm -hmm. and i put it on your tummy and so on and i heard the heartbeat and you know i said to myself boy it is just so easy to just always think in the negative yes and that's when i realized that my insecurities were like so yes you know that you know something can go positive something can go negative because it could go either way but i was just always 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 thinking less of my you know you want to think less of yourself but you think i was just always thinking that here i go again mm -hmm. doing something wrong so i'm not going to get this thing and so on mm -hmm. and so i realized there was a pattern that i had and um I knew I needed some help and guidance, but I didn't know. Because up to that point, I'm not not a Christian yet, but I'm experiencing all these things, which I think kind of helped me to realize that I needed the Lord on this journey to really root up what was wrong. So, Zadia was born. And, um... Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, you know, and, you know, I thank the Lord that, you know, if, with all that, you know, was discovered in the journey because I, you know, and I do have a problem sharing it. I have one fallopian tube that's twice the length of a normal tube, mm. and the other one is blocked up. My my appendix and everything is in a mass mm -hmm. up to this day, mm -hmm. and that's a whole nother story, mm -hmm. right? And so wow. even in, even with that information, um, it was just easy to always live from a place of you know it can't happen. I'll yeah. never have a family. Um, the doctor said I would be in severe pain. I 
still haven't, I still haven't done anything to remove it um, up to this point because they said if there's no pain, let it stay. Mm-hmm. The key thing was just to try and have children and then once you're through, wait until you have pain before doing any surgery. Okay. And so um, still at that point where I haven't had to do surgery. Thank you, other Jesus. Than, <laughs> other than, other than um, the two C-sections. Yeah. So, um, so that for me was just an awakening to to um just feeling that i wouldn't be able to have a family but i the insecurity for me was a little deeper and i it didn't it didn't dawn on me then what the root of it was mm-hmm. for me this was just the start and um by the time my son that was an easy pregnancy everything was fine and by the time i got into my fiery environment and just with the death threats and 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 all of that um big department managing 300 staff and working on shift and so on i realized that whilst i was busy doing chop 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 and doing all the um required things Mm -hmm. i wasn't focusing on the relationship I wasn't focusing on the people, you know, I was focusing more on processes to do, I need the technology in place, I need that in place and so on. Ah. And leaving all the people behind crying along the way because I'm running ahead mm-hmm. and forgetting about the person. And then one day, one of the supervisors came in my office, he was so upset, he came in, I can't remember what he said, I was just in shock. And um, luckily there was somebody else in the corner, he didn't see the person in the corner. And he said something to me that, Grace, you know, you're so hard on men. And I said, really? I said, I don't think so. But anyhow, the, the matter of fact that he was so upset because, because of my mathematical background, yeah. I tend to, the numbers, in no time I'm going to pick up anything that's wrong. I'm going to look at data quickly okay. and I will pick up the different things. So that was a problem because everybody's just used to coming to work, leaving and so on. I'm asking questions. I'm saying what? No, yes, so on, so on, so But his question to me about being hard on me, it, 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 it stopped me for a while. I'm like, I never noticed it, but I say, you know what? All right, I need to, I need to, I need to hear what he's saying. I need to, you know, I was upset about how he said it, but I still took what he said and said, all right, I need to really look at myself to see if this is something that I'm um, consistent with in terms mm-hmm. of being hard on men. And um, I, with him saying that, this was just after I had merged departments. I had gone through a bit of fire with the merger. People needed to go, people, new persons were coming on board. So the people who were new in the department were, you know, People didn't like them because this is a department that has been around for maybe 30 years and they were doing the same thing every day and they were slowing down the work so they were required to do overtime. So what I done was put the staff on shift, which meant meaning more persons coming in, it means sharing desk and all of that which was new for them. And then you now with new supervisors um, and putting measurements in place, I mean I put all this in place and it, the person's just not used to that. Mm-hmm. So that's when the lady, a co-worker had died and I didn't see her and my neighbor died and then I gave my life to the Lord while I was in that department okay. because I didn't figure I was going to live actually based on the death threats mm-hmm. and you know when this guy came to me I said okay gosh another death threat is going to come. Um, but it so happened that there was information that he figured I had that I would have exposed to 
I don't know, I guess the rest of the organization and so on, you know, based on his own insecurities. But as I gave my, as I said, I gave my life to the Lord, right? And something else happened later on in the organization where I had, I brought on a couple of staff. I brought on maybe like different levels. So we have the majority of persons are entry level and I brought in some analysts. I brought on one male analyst and but he was from my church mm -hmm. and so they, they kept writing letters to HR that I employed the whole, you know the entire church and um, you know I converted the office to a church mm -hmm. so I mean I was I was confused because I'm a new Christian you know it's 300 staff I bring in one person I didn't even know him I just said you know we're hiring persons are you interested he said yes he would come for the interview and so on I'm like okay no problem so I couldn't understand why I was coming under all this fire mm -hmm. and all of it was male kind of male related and there came a point where they sent out an organizational chart and my box said vacant wow now, then people started to call me to say, Grace, we hear you have resigned. So, and then somebody from HR called to say that you resigned. I was confused. And I said, you have a letter from me because maybe somebody forged my signature. And I was, so I said, you know what? I think HR needs to come talk to me to tell me, you know, maybe they moved me to another department and I don't know or whatever it is. Anyhow, that happened like about maybe this September of the year. And the department changed around me the, the person in charge of hr called me and and she said grace i heard that you resigned i said you heard i resigned so if you heard do you have it before you she said no so i said i called you and said that i've resigned <laughs> she said no i said well i haven't called you you don't have a letter from me so we're having this conversation about the <laughs> resignation anyhow mm -hmm. she said you didn't have any resignation i said no I said, but I'm seeing an organizational chart with my thing saying vacant. The position is, the role is there. It says vacant. And I don't see my name on any other chart. She paused. Said, okay, I'm going to get back to you. October, November. So I'm coming to work every day. The department has shifted around me. I'm actually sitting in the corner. So I passed 300 staff. To come to my desk so the department has shifted so i'm now at work without a role that is how i figured out that my identity was tied to the job i didn't want to ask what had, i i didn't I, I was so i was so confused i didn't know what to do i didn't know if i was to be upset i didn't know if i should call to cry because that's how i felt i felt angry and one of the assistant managers she came to me and said grace i'm gonna pray with you and she, she said, but don't close your eyes because it's a glass office. She said, you're going to keep your eyes open. You're going to learn to pray with your eyes open. <laughs> she prayed with me and she said, you know, one of the ladies in the office um, dreamt about two persons in the office that would have been um, shifted from the department. And um, she was afraid to come, you know, say something to you or whatever it is. I mean, eventually she did come and pray with me, but she didn't share the details of what she was praying with me about before. So, so I said, but this is a big organization. Why me? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are 90 managers in this organization. Why me? Mm -hmm. So it was herself. Both of us were actually without a, without a box, oh. if you can put it okay. that way. Because the roles are there, but we were, we existed nowhere. And then I said, but, but Lord, my identity is so tied to this job. It's like my life 
I mean, I'm still getting paid. I still turn up for work. Yes, I don't have uh, a list of responsibilities that I'm working on. But then I was afraid to ask because I didn't know if it meant that I was supposed to go home. I didn't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I sat there for five months. Mm. I lost weight, didn't sleep. And, um, you know, I said to my husband, you know, I said it's a good thing and a bad thing. Because for one, I think the Lord is wants to shift me. Two, I'm not, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure if I'm to call a lawyer, if I'm to sue the organization. I wasn't sure what to do because, you know, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, people were writing these messages to HR and so on and so on. So I was this big bad wolf, right? And um, eventually, this is about the January, I got a, a letter. They still didn't call me for a meeting. I just got a letter stating that I was transferred to such and such a department. So when the lady was praying with me, her, her thing was that the hope is that I would have resigned and I was just to stay. I'm like, stay and do what? You know, so, but, but, the, but the thing is that at the end of the, when I got that letter from HR, I packed up my stuff. I went upstairs, I moved to the department, but I said to my husband, I'm going to resign now. Mm. Um, my dignity, my, my everything, I mean, I was at, my confidence moved to, I don't even know, negative mm -hmm. 200. And I realized that my anger, because the persons in charge of HR were male and so on, I, I found that my, if I said anything, I knew I would have said the wrong thing. And I said to him, I, I just know I need to leave quietly. And I need to grieve about this mm. because this is so wrong. Yeah. And I said, I don't know how I will ever share this, but one day I will mm. share it, which is today. Oh, I guess. And, um, but through it all, I recognized that I was really, my identity was so tied up with work mm -hmm. that when this title was taken from me, I felt like, I didn't exist mm. and I said you know what I did was wrong but at the same time it brought out for me that my identity needed to shift mm. and it wasn't to shift just to another job because I said I wasn't moving to another job I'm going to learn to be grace that woman of God without a job title and so going forward whatever projects I do it won't be t just grace in charge of this or is grace woman of God if you want to ask what I do at some point you ask me but I will never introduce myself based on my job which is what a lot of people tend to do mm -hmm. they talk about their job in their introduction and, and so on. so I handed in my resignation and I left the organization I didn't work for the rest of the year mm. I just I spent the time in the word and just I'm gonna learn how to uh, rely on the Lord totally because this was a wake-up call for me mm -hmm. that um, an organization could do this to me and it you know I was I would have almost lost if I didn't have people praying with me and reading the word I would have I would have lost my mind yeah I was so tied up with the job because I was doing the you know the processes and I'm I'm everything to this organization mm -hmm. but this organization is saying I don't know who you are yeah. you know are you a monster you know the people complain about you yes you work well but the people are saying you're a monster and i'm like but well, i'm not a monster mm -hmm. i mean yes i'm coming in i'm cleaning up and i'm and i'm bringing out the performance and the persons who don't want to perform and the persons creating the problems but 
they're not seeing that yet mm-hmm. and culturally the organization is not there so what are you gonna do and so for that period uh, we went home to February March to December and um, I didn't want to work though even beyond December I didn't want to work I didn't want to see anybody and they said Grace you're gonna go in major depression you still need to pull you out I said but I just want to go to the office and blow it up and <laughs> just angry mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and I said yes Grace but the thing is anywhere else you go you're gonna meet people like that so the thing is how is it you're gonna approach that those that kind of environment you know instead of becoming fearful because I became afraid yeah um that if I'm gonna be around people you know they're gonna do this they're gonna do that and so my insecurity you know which is what I say between um, the job yeah and um, being brought up in a family that says that your role that you do as your job is your identity mm. and that was riveted in me mm. by my dad and little by little as I got more as I got into the word and as person started to to get to know me from my church community and they would you know say Grace these are some of the things you notice about you and you know and so on and every time you feel rejection coming up you pull away mm. you go in the cave um, because you're not sure how to handle the conflict where is that coming from what's the root of it it's not the job that you're on the job brought it out mm-hmm. but that wasn't the root of it I'm like I don't know what the root is you know so by the December my, my church needed some help and or I think maybe the October and I was teaching at the church teaching at my church and then they needed some help in the office still processes still technologies and went in doing that and so on but even in doing that, whenever I felt like anything, they're going to say anything negative or um, particularly with a male person talking to me, I go under the table. Yeah. And um, when I was there working at, at the church at the time, I said, boy, I know I need help, but I don't know what it is. It's not like I'm, it's not like I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed, I'm grieving. And I think I'm getting through the grieving process but there's something else that took me there that I really wanted to identify mm-hmm. and interestingly when I was working at the church my dad kept saying why are you working at church you know you don't want a pension you know you need to have a big pension and you know if you're working at church I mean, you're not earning you're not earning much money and and he he came down to church one day and he repeated it again and then I went upstairs and I said, how old am I? <laughs> I'm married. I have kids. I'm grown. Mm. Why is my dad, why is he here? Why is he still in my head? Mm. And I said it aloud to someone in the room. And I said, Grace, have you ever thought back to your childhood and to see how that affects you now as an adult? I said, I don't think it's affecting me. I mean, I, my, my dad, we don't talk. You know, I put him in 530. I said, ah, that's the problem. You put him in 513. Based on what, you know, what's written in the word. Are you to put him in 513? Mm-hmm. Where are you to put him? You are to forgive him. You are to forgive him. Forgive him. Put in your boundaries. Forgive him. Put in your boundaries. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? But as I started to hear what persons were saying particularly the persons in in the church community that i respect 
I realized that a lot of my my insecurities, my identity was linked back to what my father expected of me when I became an adult. Mm. And so it was always about the money. It was always about the position in the organization because um, he needed to go and say, you know, well, Grace is, um, she's a senior so-and-so and this is her title and so-and-so. So me leaving this organization without going to another job didn't only create a spin for me, mm-hmm. it, it created a spin for my my father who, what am I to tell my friends? What do you do? I said, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I, I'm a woman of God. And, you know, and doing, you know, spending some time at my church. But the mere fact he left home to come all the way down. So home is constant spring mm-hmm. for him. And church is in crossroads. He's retired. So he left home, came to the church, mm. even though I also live in Compton Spring, to tell me that, you know, I need to change a job. I need to find a job. That for me was a light bulb that mm. went off for me when he came down and said to me, I need to find a job. Um, I need to have a huge pension. Mm-hmm. So I realized money and um, this identity in terms of a title in a job where it came from mm. and so it was it was like a it was a big it was a really big wake-up call for me that in terms of where this identity came from where did I learn it from mm-hmm. but at the same time how do I forgive my dad and also how do I create boundaries now he can't come to my office he can't <laughs> come to where I work um, because I'm now grown. Mm-hmm. And so I started to know, I needed to know, understand his journey mm. in order to forgive him. Okay. And so I started to do some research on my dad. Um, where, you know, because we didn't know much about his, his mom and, and so on. So his mom had him when she was 16. Mm. And so he was sent to live with family. He never grew up with his mom. And... Uh, the aunt he lived with used to beat him all the time. So his, you know, his own abuse of what he had gone through. He just assumed that loving meant hitting and abusing, which he carried to our family. Mm-hmm. And so it was just always fear, you know, you need to beat this job. And so when he came down, even to the church office, you know, he's coming all stern. And mm-hmm. like, you know, so I said, okay, I need to put some boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm going to, if, I'm, if my identity is going to be in Christ, then I have to recognize the persons who don't agree with that. And I need to be bold. I need to be courageous to say, these are my values. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe in. All right, I may be broke right now. That's all right. But um, this is what this is the word I'm going to stand on. Mm-hmm. So by this time, I'm now in my 40s. Eh? Mm-hmm. And um, it meant spending a little time away from my family. Mm-hmm. So I made a decision that for a year, I wasn't going to be around my family. Wow. Um, it's a in, bold decision. In order to really go through a healing process, not just to do the forgiveness part, but to do the reconciliation part of it. It was very hard because my dad kept calling because he wanted to pick up. He, he had a routine of picking up dog food from my house and I said well there's no dog food we're not we're not storing dog food anymore we will bring it down and so the discussions with him got very 
irate and you know the anger came out in him because he wasn't getting dog food but it it also required that I needed to now learn how to handle conflict with my dad mm. so that I could handle the conflict that I couldn't handle in the organization when they did what they did incorrectly and that I could have corrected it um, and defend um, my position in the organization I recognized that I needed to do that with my dad first and that part of my struggle with figuring out who I am and where all that if I didn't spend the time really forgiving him and and even asking for assistance for prayer um, on this journey with the different things that would have happened as a child growing up and um, I actually wrote a letter to him didn't give him the letter it was just to write down everything that happened to myself to my sisters to my mom I wrote that letter um, I threw it away but it was just to get it out mm -hmm. um, of my system because I said if I'm going to be an example to others then I have to to do the work you know because I said Grace you need to actually go and talk to your dad now so I wrote a letter and um, he got sick so but before he got sick you know wrote the letter I went through a couple of um, deliverance sessions in terms of um, just this constant anger you know particularly when men would speak to me in an organization um, I found I kept moving I kept moving on once I couldn't handle it yeah. I would just resign and move on yeah and just wasn't learning to to say use my voice to say what it was um, and still believe that when I give a voice whether or not I'm still rejected at it it's okay but rejection didn't mean my life you know fall apart so he got sick and uh, my prayer partner said grace you are going to pray with your father you're gonna take him through the salvation prayer and you are going to let him know you have forgiven him wow i said no it's <laughs> <laughs> a grace you're gonna do it it's not for you it's gonna be for both of you it's gonna be for your dad because he's very very sick the doctors can't do anything for him and you don't know if praying for him will help him will you help him so i call my sisters i have another sister who has been struggling as well and she said okay we're gonna do this together so my mom my sisters were all in the room with him and uh, i prayed with him this is the first time you know praying for him you know we prayed together you know dinner you know prayed for him and then my sister did the salvation part of the prayer. The following day, his blood count had dropped about three, supposed to be 14. Yeah. It dropped to like three, whatever those numbers mean. And the doctor said, well, there's a turnaround. Huh. And he had stabilized. Oh the my word. Day. So I said, okay, Lord. <laughs> you know, so obedience, um, as I even shifting and putting the boundaries in place getting the support from persons in the community that are struggling with this thing for years and um, but in order to heal I need time away and I don't want to feel bad 
for pulling away because mm-hmm. if I if I don't pull away, I don't think I can be a good leader mm-hmm. to go back in an organization to deal with rejection. Or even if I figure it's time to go, I don't have to feel bad that I need to leave or link it back to something negative. And mm-hmm. So through it all, I recognize that um, my identity was still rooted in a title, in a job. And um, as much as I didn't like what had happened in that fire organization it was for me the lord telling me that my identity was not in him Mm -hmm. and that this was an opportunity for me to make that shift as hard as it was and the fact is i didn't know where the root was but over time you know um the pieces little pieces came together and I would say an entire healing process has taken place as I made that shift or as he made that shift because he made that shift he made that shift and you know even though I moved into I didn't I probably stayed at the church for maybe two years decided to work with my husband because I haven't spoken about him but you can just imagine the process. <laughs> if the that work were, if the men at work were complaining, <laughs> you can imagine that my poor husband was suffering. And so I saw it as an opportunity to build my marriage. Mm. And I worked with him for about two years. The business, you know, didn't work out, but it was a good opportunity for us to, to work together and um, went back into another organization and so on. And, and so as I, I look back at the last, 10 years here it has really been a lot about the healing mm-hmm. a lot about the reconciliation my dad he's he's still very sick um he has dementia now mm-hmm. but i've been it's i've spent more time with him now yeah at a different place yeah than the last three decades well life. well we were really really good friends up to maybe age 11 12 and mm-hmm. then there was a a, a big yeah and so i realized that even my children are watching me you mm. know who have encouraged me to talk to grandpa talk to grandpa and the resistance and i said but gracie you know are, what are you teaching them you know if they don't mm-hmm. like their dad you know are they to push him away and so on and so little by little peeling that onion mm. those layers and um just figuring out where my identity was where did it come from and it wasn't until I understood his journey that I was able to move from a place of anger to a place of, oh my gosh, he didn't have anybody. He didn't have his mother, his father around him as a child. Mm-hmm. He was abused by his aunt, you know, beaten, whatever ways. I don't mm-hmm. even know whatever ways. He felt rejected from an early age. That, from his rejection now, getting married and becoming this kind of Hitler-style parent because he didn't have a dad to observe how to parent well. Yeah. And then here's the next generation now, me, you know, trying to be this good leader at work, um, assuming that chop, 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 which mm-hmm. I learned from my dad, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. chop, 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 and, and um, you know, even finding the Lord through that, through that process. But in finding the Lord through that process, the Lord may say, well, okay, well, it's time to leave that organization. Let it go, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, it was hard to let go because the money. Yeah. I was earning a lot of money 
um, I didn't have to worry about anything um, but I've learned so many if I didn't leave that job you know what I've learned in the last I, I left that job eight years ago about eight years ago or nine years ago but what I have gained in that nine year window mm-hmm. um, money can't pay for it yeah and uh, um, to be able to be at a place to have a conversation about I didn't I didn't think I would mm. but when you know when you talk about insecurities I was just so insecure when somebody said something negative I would just fall apart and um, so I'm just I'm thankful that of that big shake-up that I had some years ago I grieved for a long time I grieved you know mm-hmm. and my grieving was necessarily crying it was just I get a call for interview I'm not going I get a call to come and not I'm just not do, you know so my grieving was just the reluctance to participate in a lot of things that would mm-hmm. have kept me on the journey because it meant I need to open up my heart yeah. and, and let it out and uh, I just wasn't at that place but little by little in the stripping away so how do you see yourself now well <clears throat> I think in the stripping away that has has taken place and uh, as the Lord has helped me well as I've slowed down to hear his voice mm-hmm. he has been very specific about the spiritual gifts that I have and that I'm to use it for for the church not not for me but for the people mm-hmm. and and as I made that transition in helping others to figure out their their gifts little by little lots of pieces have been coming back together mm-hmm. in in my life so as as I've found my identity in Christ um, I've just learned that I just need to on a daily basis I don't know what will happen tomorrow but he's going to provide tomorrow mm-hmm. manna for today manna for tomorrow mm-hmm. not going to give me more than I need and I need to learn to be patient I need to learn to be um, in my struggle whatever it is I'm struggling with I still need to serve others mm-hmm. not go in the cave not wait so for me this once I realized my identity in him it meant rain or shine and serving him and um, it it has been a, not an easy journey as I look at the Moses's journey mm-hmm. and he said no Lord not me find somebody else <laughs> I felt like that but once I said, okay, I'm just going to listen to you, Lord. I'm going to be obedient. And little by little, he has been putting the pieces together. Even going back to the organization and helping persons there. They have called me on two occasions to come back. And, um, you know, I said, no, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But I've been helping the persons individually. And making that shift to human resources... I am now, in the last six years, mm-hmm. been called for human resources. Mm, job. Do I have an HR degree? <laughs> no. Have I done any training in HR? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going on an interview after this, um, which is going to be more about training and developing persons. Mm-hmm. So what is that identity in Christ? Could you describe that for me? When I think of my identity in Christ, it is... He has called all of us to 
there's a specific scripture in Matthew about healing the sick and helping the poor and that is our identity. And I think in in um everything else is brought up, mm. if I can put it that way. And um my thing is that our identity is about just being obedient to his word regardless. And as we are obedient in his word, people will come alongside us and help us with other things that we haven't even thought of. Mm -hmm. Because when I, um, as I'm hearing from the Lord, and I'm saying what the Lord is saying, I need to be helping people, I need to be developing people. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I don't have, I don't have no degree in HR and I don't have any extensive training in HR. But then I get in the calls. Mm -hmm. But the calls are coming from persons who are in the, my, my, my church community who have seen my, my gifts, my spiritual gifts, and understand it and are helping me to stay in mm -hmm. the, the gifts in terms of my identity mm -hmm. and to stay there and really run that race well. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I think of identity, I think of being obedient to His Word and uh, even when I describe myself now, whether you will not know if I'm in a job or not in a job, mm -hmm. because I've, I've learned that I don't need to. It's not about a job. It's not about a job. You're anymore. a child of God. I'm a child of God. God will pro pro provide. He will and provide. He will, he will provide it in different ways. Mm -hmm. If that comes out in a in a in a eight to five or a consultancy or. It might be um, some recurring income from something I've done and so on. And all of that has actually started to happen, mm -hmm. right? And so um, the, the income comes through different streams. Mm -hmm. Nobody not teaching us that in school or, or anywhere. And so once I, I made that shift and, and let it go, and, and letting go of this identity, it still happens. I'm going to a role and um, I'm at a project and I just have the computer. I don't have any picture. I don't have anything mm -hmm. because if I'm leaving today, it's going to take me five minutes and I pack up and I go. And I said to them, I said, the thing is that just from what happened in that organization, I found that I wanted my identity on the desk mm -hmm. as well. In little things I found at an eye needed to make that shift because mm -hmm. um, the grieving that I had gone through, I realized that I needed to make that shift. And so once I'm focused on him and I make him a priority, mm -hmm. a, a lot of the things and I, and I, and I stick in, stay in my, I don't want to say stay with my, the gifts he has given me, mm -hmm. I found there's peace, there is joy, there is I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. It's just a it, it piece of the word. Um, my thought process, everything, um, in terms of once I, this is my identity, I'm clear on my identity. There is just a piece over me that I can't explain. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's just, it's easier to say yes to the, to the right things. Mm -hmm. And even, even getting a call about something. I don't have to have the details at all because I didn't have the details mm -hmm. to come to you today. But once I, you know, I sense 
what the connection is and how I got the call um, I'm you know I'm good so keep in mind that that is scary because Grace you know you just get up and you're, you're gone mm-hmm. and you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow but that just having the faith mm-hmm. that everything is gonna be fine mm-hmm. um, because I'm not preparing for here I'm preparing for eternity mm-hmm. You know, my generation, my legacy that I'm, I'm going to leave behind. Those are the things that I need to be thinking about. My children um, and what are the other things that the Lord has, the, the dreams he has planted in me. Have I done anything about it? So so for me, for me my identity is about his calling on my life and running that race and running it well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. knowing that you know as we are confident of who we are as children of god that he because we are children of god he'll provide he will provide because we are children of god we can have faith and absolute trust in him that he will keep us secure he will keep us right. safe and, you know? and we're to wait okay and we're to wait for it to happen because sometimes we want it to happen in our time. Mm-hmm. But when we shift to his identity, sometimes there is a test or something that we need to complete mm-hmm. before we can get the next um, gift mm-hmm. that is there. And sometimes we don't want to wait. Mm-hmm. And so we shift back to self, mm-hmm. you know, because we can't wait any longer. Mm-hmm. Because time running, yes, time is running out. You know, time is short, but... Um, it's a waiting part that I find as very hard for us, you know, in, in, in um so the insecurities, you know, and what people will say and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it, it you know, even for me just to take a, a while to um just to shift from not talking about work as as a topic. Mm-hmm. It was so ingrained in me. You see somebody say, How are you? It's always work. Um, and you talk about work. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a conscious effort to make that shift. Mm-hmm. And the other day, somebody come here and said, "So Grace, you working?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, um, as I said, "No, I'm not. You know, I'm actually in between projects." And I said, "Okay." And I said, "Okay, Grace. So um, you've made that shift. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it is for us to." It's not an overnight process. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know when I think back to James, if I can read if I can read that scripture, sure. So it's James one, verse two. Mm-hmm. And I start there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Mm-hmm. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and comp- not lacking anything. Mm-hmm. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. What's interesting about your story is just oh, recently I've been saying God cares about our mental health as his children, as even his potential children. Mm-hmm. You know, he cares about the different things that we go through. Yeah. And so as we recognize that work is temporary, 
different things that he has given us even even some of our gifts they're temporary yeah. in a sense yeah. but god as children we can never lose that title in a sense because god you know says no one can snatch you out of yeah. my hand yeah you know yeah. and yeah. then also because we are his children god is carefully orchestrating and weaving different things in our lives that so he even uses the horrible difficult circumstances mm-hmm. that in our lives to cause us to have an epiphany that yes. hey yeah that i'm relying too much on this to, mm-hmm. to to give me my identity to describe who i am right. and you know the lord carefully as you said carried on this journey of recognizing okay this is an issue but where is the root and then the lord brought it to the place of finding the root but then he didn't leave you there mm-hmm. he allowed you to recognize okay well i need to put in some boundaries so that you can heal and it's interesting because i had done an episode some time ago um and it, it was on spiritual abuse and the gentleman spoke about taking some time away mm-hmm. right from the church just to heal yeah. and what's interesting is that god does that sometimes we need time away and it doesn't necessarily look like what we've been told what we've been taught but and it's not necessarily a popular thing Mm because i can imagine how hard it would have been to stay away from your family for an entire year but even in that god is interested in restoring his children to good health and not just good physical health but good mental health because you know all of these things putting barriers in our lives um, that prevent us from communing with him, seeing ourselves as sons and daughters of Christ, seeing ourselves as people who have the ability to do what he has called us to do, as you said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. You know, we are unable to do those things if we have some of these barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely one of the things that I believe the Lord had has been teaching me in this in these past few years that yes he wants us to do things for people and he wants us to serve but first is he wants to know that we are good that we are okay that we know we are loved we know who he has called us to be that we are valued despite what the world says about in order to be valued you have to be beautiful or handsome or you have to you know have a big job or have all of these big things these nice cars you know all of these Mm -hmm. things that Mm -hmm. we put on the table and say well in order for us to be valuable or valued we have to have all of these things god strips those all away you know strips strips it all away and if we are unable to do anything in this world god cares for us and so i just want to thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing your story of healing as a process of recognizing that our identity is not tied to things it's Mm -hmm. not tied to what the world says is important because really one of the things that you know the value that your father had as a work being important wasn't something that he just made up on his own it's definitely what we get when we watch the tv when we listen to people speak you know we hear that work is important you must work Mm -hmm. and the bible does value work it's just that god also values rest and he also values other things and the way we see work is not necessarily the way he sees work and so i just want to thank you for sharing your story on family and that that whole journey that god took you through um because of course there are many persons who you know they're trying to have children and you know um it's hard to have the faith to believe that god wants you Mm -hmm. to have children i mean you kind of believe he can but does he really want me to have a child um and so you know just even even in terms of how we perceive things and the negative how we can be so 
committed to a negative mindset mm-hmm. and what it takes to shift to a positive mm-hmm. mindset and you know you don't want to just be airy fairy positive you know but just knowing that god can and he desires to do it but i recognize that we are afraid of disappointment as you know you spoke yes. about nobody wants to be disappointed it's like i just i don't want to get my hopes up and i don't want to be disappointed but one of the things i'm also learning is that it's better to have faith in god and for him to provide an alternative answer mm-hmm. than to doubt because the doubting interferes with our relationship Absolutely. with god um, and so I just want to thank you again. Thank you so much for coming and for sharing your stories. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to Life and Godliness with Joe. I'm so happy that you joined me today um, just to really hear just this process of healing and moving and shifting our identity from what the world sees as important to what God sees as important. Please remember to follow me on Journey with Joe on Instagram. Remember to share, like, or comment on my pages. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. God bless. Oh